Welcome to Screen Therapy. I'm your host, Jason Schurz. In October of 2018, I found myself in the hospital, sitting across from a psychiatrist who was telling me I had bipolar. I was sent home with a bunch of medication and laid on the couch for a week. I had my iTunes library on shuffle, trying to shake the hornet's nest from my head. Ever since I was a kid, I've been using loud music as a form of therapy. Punk rock and mental health have always been connected. This podcast looks at that connection through the lens of different guests. This is Screen Therapy. We all deserve to be ourselves around the people we love, and the punks we love. Annie Kuchenmeister of Loki's Folly lives on the autism spectrum. She finds that punk rock and its scene allows her to drop the feeling that she has to be quote-unquote normal and live up to other people's expectations. Annie started playing music with her sister and brother when she was a teen. Playing music and being around other musicians who had their own challenges gave her a chance to, as she says, live her best life. And then there's the screaming. Annie loves to scream and roll around on the floor and put her emotions right out there to communicate them verbally. And it's also just fun to scream. I'm Annie Kuchenmeister. I play guitar and sing in Loki's Folly. We've been playing for about five years, started playing music about eight years ago, personally. I'm autistic, got diagnosed when I was 17, and have been playing in my band. Being on the spectrum, first of all, what terminology do you like? I've heard people talk about the spectrum, autism, Asperger's. Yeah. Personally, I like being called autistic since that's the official diagnosis. And I think me as well as other people like latching onto the idea of it being like a part of who I am. So using it as a adjective emphasizes that well. I like on the spectrum too, you know, it talks about the fact that there is a spectrum, which is helpful. <laughs> Do you remember the first time that you started playing music? Because you mentioned it was when you were quite young. How did that affect your emotions? Did you have some inkling that maybe there was something going on with you that was attracted to music, attracted to creative pursuits? Yeah. I started learning guitar when I was 14, which was three years before I was even diagnosed, but also connected because it definitely... Not long after starting learning to play guitar, I really absorbed it as a special interest, which many autistic people have, where it becomes your main thing and it's kind of all you want to do and all you want to talk about. So it was maybe a lifesaver in a way where it just gave me something very personal and special that I just really connected with and wanted to keep working on. (laughs) 
it sounds like that was a big part of how you're able to form a band and put out an album and playing live shows, all these things that you're doing, uh, that focus and that determination and maybe a bit of obsession as well. Yeah, definitely obsession. <laughs> I have people in my life who are autistic and I know that they're very focused on specific things and those things do change as well. Yeah. Has music been a constant for you all these years? Yeah, pretty much constant from the start point of when I really started getting into it intensely, which was around that same time when I started learning to play guitar. Louder punk-ish type music really helped me a lot too because when I was in school and it would be really, really, you know, overwhelming with people talking there and lights too bright, being able to like put my headphones on and put on the first couple bands I was getting into, like the Ramones, just full pressure, one sound is all coming in at once was really just calming and soothing. And it really was probably the way I was able to get through most days um, when I was still in school. Definitely therapeutic in that way as well. I've talked to a lot of folks who use music as a way to calm themselves and go into another zone with creative pursuits. For instance, for me, I've written a book called Scream Therapy as well, which is about punk rock and mental health and the folks in the scene. And I wrote the whole book with blasting music in my headphones. A lot of folks think that loud, chaotic music would be not calming at all. Yeah. But it is. Definitely. I mean, sometimes if something's too on the gentle end, it can be almost discomforting for me personally. It's a little more comforting to have that high pressure sound in my ears, maybe like having a nice weighted blanket, but for your ears. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. You mentioned having the sensory sensitivities, loud sounds, people talking around you. For folks that don't know about autism, what are some other challenges that you have with it? That is one, you know, sudden sounds or multiple people talking at once where I just can't always really single out one person and bright lights, which is maybe a little ironic given the uh, <laughs> rock band. That and then also some food sensitivities and touch sensitivities, not being able to wear certain clothes. Cutting out tags is my favorite pastime. <laughs> just having that build up over time is probably the thing that is the most difficult because I can handle it in short spurts for my personal needs. Long periods of time without any break is where it gets hard. I'm hearing a lot of similarities with folks that are in my life, in my family who live on the spectrum and the cutting of the tags was <laughs> very yeah. familiar. The people that I know in, in my life who are on the spectrum do also have mental health conditions, mental health challenges. I'm wondering for you if that's been a overlap with some of your challenges. I definitely have some coexisting anxiety, anxiety disorder, and also have gone through like periods of depression where it's too much to handle. I think after getting diagnosed, it actually helped that a little bit since I had spent a large portion of my life being on the spectrum, being autistic, not knowing what or why things felt so different for me. And it was just a very isolating experience. So when I did get diagnosed, it actually kind of really helped me feel like I could understand what was happening in my brain and why I was sensitive to things and 
why I would get obsessive and why I would miss social cues and things like that. And it was very relieving to find out that it wasn't just me failing at being a person, but me being exactly how my brain is supposed to be. So that really helped with a lot of the more depressive episodes of my life. But still having anxiety. I mean, when having, you know, a loud sound or bright light being something that can be really triggering to my mental state, going out can sometimes cause anxiety. You can't really prevent anything from happening when you go out. (laughs) So being in a band and playing shows and recording albums, and you also have quite a community around you with musicians, I would think that you would have to take lots of alone time and breaks between all the activity that you have going recovery time you know post show and it's also been really nice because I feel like the music community that we're a part of is just incredibly supportive and accepting so I almost even feel like I don't need to do as much maintenance of trying to appear quote-unquote normal and trying to match other people because I feel like it's just a very unique group of people that you meet in music and you can kind of really be yourself without any judgment, which is really nice. And I also really like performing because I think I can react as much as I want all the sensory stuff going on around me. And, you know, I can scream it all out or I can jump around or flail on the floor or something and it's going to be part of the show and it's going to be fun and everybody gets to be a part of it, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, a place where you can truly express yourself. Yeah. So you said that you were feeling weird when you were younger and not understanding who you were and why you were struggling with, why can't I fit in? I always refer to myself as being like a weirdo and a freak because I felt the same way growing up. I didn't know why I was the way that I was. And I live with bipolar, so I had a lot of struggles with moods when I was younger and still do. So what did you think at that time? Was it just a question of, well, I'm a freak and a weirdo and I need to go find my people and I listen to weird music and why and how come I can't fit in? Or was it more like something's really going on here that I don't understand? Definitely a lot of that of like, I'm just probably never going to fit in and I don't really know why. And I think also I personally had a very strong feeling of like, I'm failing at being able to live up to what a normal person should be able to do. You know, I go out with friends or something and I am like exhausted and I can't do anything afterwards and I have a day at school and it should be completely okay and normal but instead I'm on the brink of collapsing by the time I get home. So it was definitely a strong feeling of what's making me not be able to live up to everyone else's expectations in the world. I think that's also just a very common experience especially for autistic women because we're just very underdiagnosed comparatively around being 17-ish, 16-ish. Had read a lot of women's experiences online about not being diagnosed and then being diagnosed later in life, having symptoms that don't necessarily match up with the stereotypical view that a lot of people have of what autism looks like, sometimes associated with only kids and only boys and only young boys who present in very specific ways, whereas obviously it's a spectrum and there's this whole variety of different people who have all sorts of different interests and different ways of presenting and different communication levels and styles and all sorts of things like that. So when I started reading about that, it was kind of like connecting the dots until I was like, this 
just kind of matches up with my whole experience. I think I think it's time to maybe try and get assessed for this thing. Putting on headphones with loud punk rock is one thing, but then finding the punk rock scene and punk rock music, was there a shift there for you when that happened? I guess finding the scene was intimidating at first, probably because of some of that social anxiety where I'm like a little different from everybody else. Actually getting to meet other musicians, it was really, really rewarding because I think every musician I meet is just so unique and has their own variety of quirks and everyone has very unique ways of communicating. And and also, I mean, it's a definitely a scene where people are willing to be very specific and, you know, oversharey about minute details of like this album or, you know, this is this. Nerds. Yeah. <laughs> so it works out well because I can really geek out a lot this scene. And we use these terms as terms of endearment. Yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with being a nerd and a geek and a freak. And these are all things that make us who we are. And I think the punk scene embraces those things. Definitely makes it a positive experience. And when being outside the norm is what's emphasized, it really helps feel more comfortable in your own skin. So you're playing with your siblings. Yeah. I noticed that there's all kinds of influences and in bands that you like. I was really blown away that your brother, who's quite young, just had this list of these amazing bands. How do you hear all these bands when you're that young? And I think it's kind of cool that youth are able to find this stuff because some of these bands are like when I was growing up 30 years ago, or whatever, 35 years ago. How did you get so much musical knowledge? Well, Nissa, my sister and I were first getting into music we were very like drawn to Green Day, My Chemical Romance, those type of bands. And we'd show our mom and she one day was like, well, if you like these bands, maybe you should try the replacements because, you know, they're from here and another band to try. OK, this is cool. This is better than anything I've ever heard. <laughs> So that really started my and Nissa's rabbit hole going further and further back and kind of finding influences of bands that influenced this band to the bands that influenced this band. Finding all the different people from our scene was really exciting because it's like, wow, this is all people who are living here, making such cool music. We got to keep finding more. So, you know, going down the Twin Tone Records rabbit hole and finding, you know, Husker Du and Soul Asylum and Babes in Toyland. And... Oh, I love Babes in Toyland. <laughs> oh, so yeah. good. Amazing. It's so much fun to kind of go further and further back and find like what influenced this, what influenced this, what influenced this. Did you sense that there was something in the music that connected or, or spoke to you? Because for me, I always felt like I identified with punk rock and hardcore and metal when I was growing up. And I didn't quite know why. I knew that I loved it. I knew that it was my life. Yeah. But when I was diagnosed with bipolar in my mid-40s, I kind of went back and thought, okay, well, I was identifying with all these bands that were talking about mental health issues and talking about the kinds of struggles I was going through. 
Yeah, definitely. It's arguably, you know, outsider music that tends to have this kind of outsider perspective. And I think that is 100% something I connected with, where, you know, you've got lots of themes of not going to fit in, but also not going to fit in and not going to care about it and kind of reveling in being yourself and being outside societal norms and living like your best life for what's right for you are all things that I think really spoke to me personally when I was first getting into these bands and really pushing the boundaries of what people expect of you. I spoke to a fellow in New York who did some studies on stigma and he was mentioning that with punk rock, it's uh, self-empowering yourself with the stigma. You're saying, I want to be different. I want to be looked at as someone who's a person that can challenge those conventions and those norms. And I think that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, he was saying if people could do that, that felt stigmatized and have that as an empowerment, that would definitely flip the stigma narrative. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely a kind of music where you feel like you can take your own narrative and your own story and like put it back in your own hands and tell it back to people like, yeah, this is what I am. I don't care what you think. I get to be me. <laughs> what a concept, eh? <laughs> the song that you wrote, Appease the Girl, yeah, is about navigating the world with autism. Yeah. So that song I was pulling a lot from a specific experience of when I had first gotten diagnosed. And I mean, leading up to getting diagnosed, I was, you know, missing lots of school and not really being able to be in the classroom as much as I had been before because it was just getting to be too overwhelming and too overstimulating and I just couldn't handle it anymore. So I got diagnosed and they were like, you should try and get a plan so that maybe you can go back into school because that would be helpful and that's what, you know, supports like that and accommodations are for. So I went into the school I was at with my mom to meet and create a plan so that I could find a little better in the school environment. But when we were going over it, the person we were meeting with was like, mm, I don't I don't think you actually are autistic. I mean, you were fine in my class a couple years ago. I don't see why you would need any of these. You should just try to push through and go back to school as you were before, which was fairly disheartening first experience with interacting with a school, trying to get accommodations. And it kind of felt like he was trying to just take my own experience and be like, mm, no, it's fine. Didn't happen. Doesn't exist. Just go with it. And that's where the title comes from with Appease the Girl, where here it's just appease it. Just say it's fine. Nothing happened. Nothing's, nothing's going on. That experience is where the inspiration for that came from, which while being a very uncomfortable experience. Again, pulling on what I was saying earlier, getting to take the narrative back on that and get to scream out my own emotions about it and be like, no, I think I'm in the right and I should be able to <laughs> get help if I need it or try to find other ways of doing things if that's what I need to do. It's really therapeutic. <laughs> yeah. Screaming in bands, screaming in general, going into the studio and screaming. And I was watching one of the videos online 
of you playing in a studio. And I thought, okay, I hope that this is going to be screamy vocals. I hope that she screams. And then, of course, you did. <laughs> I love bands like Early Slater Kinney, Heavens to Betsy, XQ17. Yeah. Those are all bands that I love. There's something about that scream that just, as a listener, really jogs me out of myself and kind of puts me into a zone where I feel like I'm alive. Definitely. I think also just it's so much fun to get to scream <laughs> that it just makes me happy to get to share it too. Also, it's just the perfect way to get to express emotions, especially emotions that are really hard to communicate verbally, getting to just go for it. And also humor and lightness to your music in some of the songs, which I would imagine helps with moods and you mentioned before anxiety. Yeah. We try to keep at least a bit of a theme of a positive attitude. We get to play these songs and get to do all this amazing stuff. And even when things are really, really difficult, it's good to try to find good things to focus on or at least to feel good to get through whatever is bringing you down. And why specifically punk rock? Do you have any notion of why it was that kind of music that, that you were attracted to? I think it's an intense and emotional sort of genre. All of those are things that are really important to me as a person. Being autistic, communication doesn't come naturally to me often in conversation with people. So getting to really find all these different ways to communicate and to communicate really intensely and strongly what I'm feeling and what I've been going through is really, really helpful and really enjoyable. Maybe this is a media thing or how autism is portrayed, but there are the emotional outbursts Yeah, you see in a TV show or something, someone that's yelling in public, kind of having a fit or an episode. And so yeah. I'm thinking maybe playing punk rock is <laughs> a way to get that stuff out a little bit. Oh, definitely. That is exactly how I would describe that. Having meltdowns like that can be scary. And I think personally, the concept of having meltdowns in public is always something that is just really embarrassing and hard to want to deal with just because I worry what people will think and judge me for. But getting to do those same types of things, but in a positive experience, it's just so like comforting and makes me feel like I have an outlet for those emotions and experiences that's really healthy and positive as opposed to just a buildup of negative, unhappy emotions. It gets to be, you know, expressive and everyone I think also can maybe feel a little bit more empathy with the situation than they would, you know, seeing something like that on a TV show, like you were saying. Do you feel like you're safe to express yourself up on stage and within the punk scene? Yeah, I feel like that's probably where I feel safest almost. <laughs> What's one of the major misconceptions about being on the spectrum? You must have things that just dig at you when people talk about them. Or I know for me, people say things about bipolar that I'm just like, nah. In my experience, you're just being a, a bit of a jerk right now because that's not what it's like at all and you don't know. Yeah, definitely. There are a lot of misconceptions and I think especially for someone like me who doesn't look the way people expect or, you know, I'm really into like fashion and dressing nicely and people think that that's impossible for someone who's autistic to do and they think like, oh, well, that means you must be lying about something or another one that weighs heavy on my mind is the very common misconception that autistic people are unempathetic or don't 
have empathy or like emotional connection, especially because people learn more about it. It's much more common for artistic people to be over empathizers, to feel emotions sometimes even more stronger than non-autistic people do. That's a very interesting misconception to me and is sometimes disheartening for me because, I mean, I love connecting with people and feeling emotions together. Just the fact that I can't do it in the traditional ways, I think, is what gets people in that mindset of it's impossible for autistic people to do that. Hopefully with the music, though, you know, it's a way to get that empathy in. That was my conversation with Annie Kuchenmeister of Loki's Folly, lokisfolly.com. Big news over here in Scream Therapy Land. The Scream Therapy book, Scream Therapy, A Punk Journey Through Mental Health, will be published this spring by Mansfield Press out of Toronto. The book features my story and the stories of others who use punk rock as a catalyst for mental health. To pre-order the book, go to screamtherapyhq.com book. I now have a T Public store where you can buy Scream Therapy merch. So head over to ScreamTherapyHQ.com, support the podcast, and get some fancy new duds. Thanks for listening to the latest episode of Scream Therapy. I'm coming to you from Powell River, a small coastal town in British Columbia, Canada, on the traditional territory of the Klohomin Nation. Doing this podcast and talking to other folks living with mental health challenges has been a huge part of my journey. It means the world to me that you're out there listening. You can sign up for my newsletter and find more episodes at ScreamTherapyHQ.com. That's ScreamTherapyHQ.com. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Let's talk punk and mental health. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, take care and be well. If you